This is the Golf Under Par Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Jeremy McCullough. We are on a journey to find the information that's going to help you play the best golf of your life. Join us now as we dive in. Welcome to the Golf Under Par Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Jeremy McCullough. I'm here with a very special guest, Mark Brody. Probably doesn't need much of an introduction, but he's a professor at the Columbia Business School. He's the essentially the father of Strokes Gained and author of Every Shot Counts. Uh, he also has the golf metric where he can help you as an amateur or, or wherever level you are to improve your, your golf game. We'll talk a little bit more about that as we, we get into the podcast. Welcome, Mark, and thank you so much for being on the show, man. Thanks for having me, Jeremy. It's nice to be on your podcast. Awesome. So I always start by asking, how did you get into golf? Well, when I was a kid, uh, my, my father had, had clubs in the, in the garage and we had plastic balls and I started using his uh, right-handed clubs to hit these little plastic balls around in our backyard. And I was left-handed, but his clubs were right-handed. So I learned to play uh, right-handed in my backyard. All right. So you're a lefty, but you play righty or did you switch? That's right. No, I never switched. That's, that's always interesting. My dad always threatened yeah. to, to make me play left-handed. He thought it would help my golf game. <laughs> <laughs> well, Phil Mickelson uh, is a righty, but plays lefty. So takes some comfort in that. Oh, there you go. Maybe I should give it a whack. Can't hurt my uh, 22 handicap, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So I wanted to start off, uh, you know, I think at this point, most people are probably somewhat familiar with strokes gained. Uh, they see it. They're using it on the broadcast for, for professional uh, tournaments and whatnot. Um, but, you know, why don't we just give a brief intro to, to those that maybe, maybe are unfamiliar how it may apply to, to them and why it's important. So strokes gained basically tells you where your strengths and weaknesses are, what you did well or poorly in a round. So if you just take a look at putting, uh, a player could have 31 putts and putted really, really well. And another player could have had 27 putts and putted really poorly. And the reason for that is uh, counting putts per round doesn't take into account the distance of the putt. So if somebody is missing, missing a bunch of greens and chipping to one, two or three feet and you have a bunch of one putts, it's not because their putting is, is great. It's more because they're your chipping was, was good. So counting uh, putts per round is a flawed way to, to evaluate putting and strokes gained uh, accounts for the difficulty of the putts and difficulty of other off green shots. And it translates everything into units of strokes. So if at the end of the round, you know, a pro gained three strokes putting and lost two strokes off the tee, you can, you can see what, uh, you know, where, where they had strengths and weaknesses and why they shot the score that they did. Whereas if you talk about how many fairways did they hit or what was their average driving distance or how many greens in regulation, it really, it really doesn't, doesn't tell you very much. So strokes gained is a simple way to measure different parts of your game all in the same units of strokes. All right. So with, with that kind of understanding, there's a lot of, uh, I guess say myths that, that have come about within the golf world. And I think your, your concept, your book or strokes gain in general kind of demystifies these, these misconceptions or these myths. Um, one of them being, you know, drive for show, putt for dough. So you want to elaborate on that? 
Well, that's probably the most famous expression in golf, and unfortunately, it's it's not correct. Um, strokes gain analysis shows that you know the best players in the world are the best ball strikers, uh, and and the best best drivers. You take a look at the the top ten in the official World Golf Ranking, and every one of those ten players is uh, a great ball striker, and most of them are. Uh, relatively average putters by PGA Tour standards anyway. And so this, this notion that um, putting is the most important part of the game, that you putt for dough, really isn't uh, borne out by, by the analysis. So driving is Roy Mac one of Roy McIlroy's biggest weapons. If you can hit the ball consistently 20 yards further and you're not too much wilder, you get to gain strokes on the field very, very consistently. And so what I like to say is one way to think about this, it's not that putting isn't important. It's that the best ball strikers tend to rise to the top of the leaderboard week in and week out. And then among that group, the best putter that week tends, tends to win. Um, and you, you saw a little bit of it uh, this, this past week with Cameron Champ winning. He is, you know, a prodigiously long driver of the ball, you know, very good player, but his strokes gain putting, he'd been ranked near the bottom of the pack, somewhere around 200th going, going into the, the 3M tournament last week. And he putted exceptionally well and he won. And so you take somebody who's a really good ball striker and then they, you layer on top of that a hot putting week and they have a, a pretty good shot at at winning. So it's not that putting isn't important. It's that if you had to pick one skill that you'd rather be the best at, I would say it's, it's sort of ball striking and not, not too many of the, the best putters are, are the, you know, household names and they're not, not in the top 10 in the world for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so that kind of brings me into the next question of um, kind of the consistency and volatility uh, of different aspects of the game we'll say and and so where does where do we see with that with regards to um strokes gained? i mean we talk about how putting is a very volatile aspect of the game where you'll have fluctuations a lot with most players even the best in the world yeah so um obviously downward volatility in the scores is what you want and if you uh are a pga tour player and you you shoot even par uh you're making half your cuts and you're never, never winning. So you need, uh, you need some, some variance, you need some volatility and putting tends to be, as you alluded to, tends to be more volatile than, than other parts of the game. So Roy McIlroy calls the driver his, his biggest we weapon because it shows up every week. Uh, he might miss a couple more fairways or hit a couple more fairways one week compared to the, to the previous week, but it's not like one week he's 20 yards longer and the next week he's 20 yards shorter. That advantage is, is with them consistently. So there's little volatility in, in that. So there's less volatility in uh, off the tee play or strokes gain off the tee. And there's more volatility in, in putting. So you can be an average putter and still have a great putting round or a great, a great putting week. Certainly, if you're a great putter like Luke Donald or Jason Day or some of the others, you'll have more of these great, great putting weeks. But uh, you can't really 
win a tournament just on great putting, just like you can't win a tournament on scrambling. So scrambling can keep around going. You can get up and down for par, you know, save, save a par now and again, but you're not going to win a tournament if you're scrambling all the time. Right. And so another, another one I think um, we've been hearing more of lately is with the, the bomb and gouge crowd where all they're doing is hitting it really far and then little flips uh, into, the, into the green. <laughs> yep. And so, so, yeah, go ahead, go ahead, sorry. I was just going to say, you know, so where does, where does strokes gain show us with, with regards to that of, you know, when you mentioned earlier that driving is, is more consistent than, than putting for dough. And so um, there, there's more volatility in the, in the putting. So what, what does strokes gain show us with regards to the bombing gouge and why, why that's not necessarily accurate or, um, it's still, it's also so, the best route, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. So I have a, a big issue with the term bomb and gouge. The bomb part is right. The gouge is sort of another mis misconception that uh, when you, when you think of the term bomb and gouge, you think of somebody hits it far, which a lot of the players at the top of the world do, but gouge seems to indicate that they're gouging it out of the rough every time. And that's that not, not necessarily the case. So if you take somebody like Dustin Johnson, who gains a little over one stroke per round with his driving, you can break that down into a distance component and an accuracy component. So sort of the bomb part and the gouge part. And if Dustin Johnson is 20 yards longer per drive, and that includes uh, par four sometimes with forced layups where you're often hitting an iron or a hybrid off the tee. So, but he's 20 yards longer on average across all drives. Each one of those uh, long drives gains him about one tenth of a stroke. And it sounds tiny, like right. who cares about a tenth of a stroke? But there's about 14 par fours and fives in a round. And so he gains a 10th 14 times. So he gains 1.4 strokes per round from this added length of 20 extra yards or from bombing it. That's huge. 1.4 yeah. strokes uh, for the added distance is really, really significant. Now you got to factor in. Yeah, but he's not as, as accurate as, as other players. And he's near the bottom of the, the driving accuracy ranking and near the bottom is like 140th or 150th or 160th. So how inaccurate is he? Well, he misses one more fairway per round than PGA tour average. So he's hitting eight fairways instead of nine. Yeah. That's, that's the gouge part, but it's like, wait a minute, he's hitting eight instead of nine. It's not like he's hitting 14 shots out of the rough. He's awfully darn straight. So is Rory. So is Bubba Watson. So it's the, these guys are not only long, but they're pretty darn straight. And you can be at the bottom of the accuracy rank just by missing one more fairway per round. And another key to this is it's not quite so important how many fairways do you hit or miss. It's that they don't hit any more of their tee shots into penalty situations than right. PGA Tour average. So they're not hitting any more out of bounds. They're not hitting any more into water than the PGA Tour average. Uh, 
So now back to Dustin Johnson, he's gaining 1.4 strokes from his added length. Missing a fairway is costly. That costs, that extra missed fairway costs him three tenths of a stroke. Well, so you subtract the three tenths from the 1.4, and now he's gaining 1.1 strokes around when you combine the distance and accuracy components. So that's how he's gaining more than one stroke around with his driving. And you multiply 1.1 times four, he starts every tournament four and a half shots ahead of the field. Yeah. That's, that's awfully, awfully significant. So um, that sort of points out why driving is so important and why especially distance is so important. Driving accuracy is not with the exception of you want to avoid the big miss. And it also explains people like Bryson DeChambeau. Why did he take such a risk improving his strength and flexibility, something that you're, you're an expert in while maintaining the other parts of his golf swing, he got so much longer and it worked out for him. So I really sort of applaud him for taking a risk like that because, you know, when you're, when you're near the top of the world to change your body and change your swing that much in that short a period of time is, is risky, but he showed how much it can be worth. Yeah. So I guess that brings the question of, you know, for distance and accuracy, um, what's, what's an, an okay amount to kind of maybe give up on distance in order to be a little bit more accurate if you're getting a lot of penalty strikes. That's one thing I play on a course that's uh, got lots of trees and I find myself, you know, <laughs> playing in the trees all the time. Yeah. That's one of the big reasons for, I think, um, you know, my struggles on the golf course at least is, is doing that. And so where, where do I kind of like draw that line? Right. Yeah. So, you know, I would rank order these as, Number one, most important is to respect the hazards. Uh, so that certainly means avoiding out of bounds and penalties, but it also means hitting it into the hay, hitting it into the woods, because that can, you know, out of bounds cost you two shots. If it's a lateral water hazard that costs you about one. Hitting it into the woods where you got to chip out costs you about a half to three quarters of a shot. So that's incredibly significant. More, more so than, than distance. So that's number one, pay proper respect to, to the hazards. And many holes are designed where if there's out of bounds on one side of the hole, there's usually a safe route to the other side. So you can, from a strategic viewpoint, move your target, change your strategy so that you can avoid the out of bounds. Now, if you're playing on a tree line course where there's trees left and right, well, you probably can't do that. So you have a choice of, well, am I accurate enough with my driver or do I need to dial it back and maybe, maybe hit an iron off, off the tee because you, that, that basically strokes gain gives you, gives you the trade-off that if you're losing a half a stroke or more um, uh, by hitting it into the, to the woods all the time, then you can give up quite a bit of distance and you'd still come out ahead to, to avoid that in the Dustin Johnson example. Well, he's gaining 1.4 from his distance and you lose about three tenths for every fairway that's missed. So he can miss four fairways and still come out ahead Four more fairways than PGA tour average and still come out ahead. So it pretty much directly gives you this distance accuracy trade-off. So, 
um, for amateurs out there, I'd say number one, avoid the big miss and pay proper respect to a hazard. And if you've got out of bounds on on one one side of the hole, even 20 handicappers shouldn't hit more than one in 50 of those shots out of bounds. One in 50. <laughs> so, um, and it's worth it even aiming into the rough in order to, to avoid that big miss and the, the two-stroke penalty. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, we'll, we'll probably get into this a little bit more, but I, I recently kind of entered in some rounds on, on your golf metrics and to see, you know, where did my personal rank and driving was definitely the, the big issue. And so maybe re reanalyze my, uh, my thought process with how I hand, uh, attack some of the course there that I play with most regularly. Um, mm -hmm. Okay, and so with with regards to, so with regards to the distances, then what's what's most important, uh, I guess, to practice then with in, in the training. So we know obviously distance is is pretty important, um, and you're saying that you know the farther you can hit it, but staying out of trouble is is uh, obviously key and and whatnot. Um, so. What are the things like most players need to to focus on with regards to improving? So I'd say there's, I would recommend having long-term goals and short-term goals. And if I don't know anything particular about a golfer, I'd say the, the best advice is practice your shots from uh, 100 to 175 yards. And if you want to pick one distance out of that, 150 yard shots. So these approach shots contribute the most to gaining strokes against uh, your buddies in, in, in your foursome. They contribute the most to gaining strokes in the PGA Tour, where if you're a PGA Tour player, I'd say 175 is, uh, or the 150 to 225 range is a little bit more important. And for amateurs, it would be similar, but 100 to 175 yards would be more important. So the number one place I'd say to, to practice would be your approach shots. And there's two reasons for that. Number one, you've got a lot of those shots in a round. So you have a lot of opportunities to, to gain or lose strokes. And number two is that they're big skill differences. And it's the combination of the two that's really important. Lots of opportunities plus big skill differences is why approach shots are so important. It's why Tiger Woods was basically, uh, you know, one of, if not the greatest of all time was he gained so many strokes with his approach shots. And that's the hardest part of the game to measure uh, with, with traditional stats. So a lot of people, it's like, well, I don't believe that. I think it should be the driver, or the wedge, or the putter, or whatever. But how big are these skill differences? So from 150 yards in the fairway, the average pro puts half their shots within 23 feet of the hole. So half inside of 23 feet and half outside of 23 feet. A golfer whose average score is 90 puts half their shots within 56 feet of the hole and half outside of 56 feet. So well over double the, oh. the distance of, of a pro. And even you know going from an 80 golfer to a 90 golfer, you're talking about going from 42 feet 
the 56 feet as a margin, margin for error. So these are enormous skill differences. And so the generic piece of advice, if, if I don't know anything particular about, about your game, would be, you know, practice these, these approach shots from 100 to 175 yards. Okay. Yeah. So I was just looking at the uh, golf metrics app and see where my numbers are. And um, my approach is one of the better parts of my strokes game that from my most recent two rounds. Um, but where I lose most of my strokes Good. is that 150 to about 200 approach shots. So that mm-hmm. falls right in line with what, what you're saying to me, at least. Um, I also wanted to get into a little bit about putting um, in regards to that, because I know I've heard you talk about specifically, you know, the diff- the improvements that most people can can make. Obviously, again, this is in generalized concept. Each person is going to be different. Um, but sure. what, are the, what are the main things you want people to work on with with putting? So, so I mentioned sort of long term goals and short term goals, and one of you know, I put like improving your approach shots or gaining distance on your drives as typically a long-term goal. Whereas putting, some people can improve their putting in a very short term, especially yeah. if you get a putting lesson, especially if you put in some practice doing it. So I've never said, you know, putting is not important, <laughs> quite the, the contrary. Um, it can be where the lowest hanging fruit is. And so I would say practicing putting is certainly important. I was certainly um, impressed when I spent a day with Luke Donald just to see how he practiced. Mm -hmm. And here's one of the best putters in the world. And what did he do? He spent two hours (laughs) practicing his putting. It's like, wow, I know a bunch of people and a bunch of amateurs that are not nearly as good a putter as Luke Donald, and they never practice putting. Yeah. Why is he the best in the world? Because he practices it. He's just, but um, within within putting, uh, it's it's one thing just to say practice and, and get better. There's there's a lot of of course mechanical things and technical things, but in terms of putt distances, uh, the most important distances to putt would be to practice would be three to ten feet. Next most important would be like ten to twenty feet, and then after that would be twenty feet and and beyond. And again, it's this same sort of thought framework of opportunity and execution. Why does three to 10 feet matter so much? Well, you have a lot of those putts. It can be first putts if you hit an approach shot close. It could be your first putt if you miss the green and chip it close. It could be your second putt if you're 40 feet away and putt at the five feet. You have a lot of putts in the three to 10 feet range. So you've got lots of opportunities. And there are enormous skill differences uh, b- between players. And so that's, that's why the, the short putts matter the most, then the medium length putts, and then the long putts. Again, it all matters, but uh, I would sort of try to orient my practice to, to emphasize the shortest ones first, and then the medium, and then, then the longer putts. And, you know, you were mentioning... Uh, traditional stats. One of the problems with a three putt stat is a three putt doesn't tell you, you know, if you had three, three putts in a round, it doesn't tell you, was it a poor first putt or a poor second putt? And with strokes gained technology, you can break putting down, not only how many strokes that I gain or lose, but how did I do at each of these distances? 
And so my general advice is, you know, practice a little bit more so with a three foot to 10 foot range, but for any particular golfer, record, record your shots and see where your strokes gain are and see where your personal strengths and weaknesses are in, in putting and in other parts of the game. Yeah. So like, for example, with me, um, I actually gain strokes on your app that has it broken down from, uh, zero to six feet and then seven to 21 and then over 22 feet. At least that's what I'm seeing here. And, um, you know, inside six feet, I actually gain strokes, uh, which is probably the only statistic I actually gain strokes in. Um, but (laughs) then, then my seven to 21 feet, that's where I lose almost seven strokes. And how many, almost seven. Oh no. Per round. That's, uh, that, that's a big red flag there. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's what I, that's what I said. I was like, Oh, okay. I, I know what I need to work on is that, that, that more, I guess, mid range. Um, yep. So, but yeah, until so I like, you know, it shows you the importance of, of figuring out where you're, where you, uh, where you aren't so great at <laughs> where that red flag. Yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And keeping track. Uh, Oh, and you mentioned the traditional stats. I had one brief question. Are there really any of the traditional stats that are even worth kind of keeping a track of or? or... No, I, uh, short answer is no. I mean, yeah. I used to, like many people on a scorecard, I'd keep track of my fairways, greens and putts. And then at the end of the round, I would just throw the scorecard away because it was of no, no help. Um, uh, Pat Goss is the, uh, uh, the coach of uh, Luke Donald, or he was for, for quite a number of years because of his Northwestern connection. And talking to Pat Goss uh, uh, a few years back about his Northwestern golf team. And Pat Goss is one of the more analytical coaches. He's got a you know degree in economics and he knows all about strokes gain. And people would ask him, well, what, what kind of uh, stats do your, do your players track? And he goes, none. And why is that? Because it's not worth the time to record the traditional stats. It's like you're putting in all this effort and you're getting no information that's actionable out of it. Whereas if you record your shots and you get strokes gain type information, then that is actionable. And he is doing that now with his, with his team. So uh, I think the only traditional stats I would, I would actually think about are like, how many one putts did you have in a round? I think more people focus on three putts and I think they should focus instead more on how many one putts that I have. And like at that seven to 21 foot range, um, how many of those seven, eight, nine, 10 footers did, did, did I sink? Because there, you know, your, your goal changes with these different distances, right? Inside of 12 feet, you're hoping to one putts. And so that's why you'd want to keep track of one putts from you know 12 to 12 feet and beyond a two putt's fine you you certainly want to sink a, a few of those 13 and 14 footers maybe maybe one of those or around or something and you certainly don't want a three putt but a two putt is is a good goal and certainly when you're 30 or 40 feet away that's all you want to do is get the first putt close enough so that you can sink the next one so I think people focus too much on, on just three putts and, and one putt would be a, uh, a reasonable uh, traditional stat to look at. But instead of, you know, keeping fairways, greens and putts or any of these, these other stats, I would 
recommend that that golfers at the end of the round, if they're not tracking their shots with any sort of app, just go through the mental exercise of thinking about each hole and each shot on each hole. What were the best shots in the round and what were the worst shots in the round? And think about why did those really bad shots happen and what's, what can you do about it before, before the next round? Is it, you need a change in strategy, you need a lesson, you need to practice something. Like if you, you're in a fairway bunker and you hit the lip, okay, then maybe you should go out after the round and go into a, a fairway bunker and, and practice that shot. So I think just sort of this mental review of the round mm-hmm. uh, is far better than traditional stats, but I think the gold standard is uh, doing a strokes gain analysis. Yeah, I would uh, now second that. It, I hadn't used your app, but I mean, you know, one of those things. Oh yeah, I'll get to get around to doing that, or maybe it won't be very beneficial for me. I mean, I'm such a a lousy player and whatnot. Um, so why don't you uh, just briefly talk about you know maybe the the benefits of the Golf Metrics app for someone like me? I'm a, I'm a 22 handicapper or just your typical amateur golfer, somebody just kind of looking to take that next step. Yeah, well, first of all, Golf Metrics was designed for amateur golfers so that people didn't have to reinvent the wheel, enter data into a spreadsheet and do a whole bunch of calculations. It's trying to make it easy for as easy as possible for amateur golfers to get the best, most accurate, most actionable results out. And so, like I said, it's designed, it's designed for amateurs. And I think the, the main benefit is showing strengths and weaknesses, showing trends, and also just the process of of inputting shots will educate you as to how good are some good shots and how bad are some bad shots. So one example I like to use is imagine you're 60 yards away from the hole in the fairway. So some kind of wedge shot you're going to play the pin is cut to the right side of the green and there's a bunker to the right of that. So you hit this shot, it lands 15 feet right of the flag and bounces into the bunker. So Mm -hmm. yeah, you know, I was only 15 feet away. And then you take a look at the app and when you put that shot into the app, it shows you lost three quarters of a stroke with that one swing. It's like, oh, wow, I thought it was a pretty good swing. I know it wasn't a great result, but I was only 15 feet away. But you're, you're then sort of, it's like, you know, somebody's hitting you in the head with a hammer saying, you can't do that next time. <laughs> you don't want to lose three quarters of a shot on an easy shot like that. And yeah. either that's an execution flaw or a strategic flaw that you were firing at the flag and you needed to fire a little bit. You know, if you, if you aimed five feet left of that, you would have had a 10 foot birdie putt, say. Mm. Um, so it, it educates you every shot you get to see the strokes gained of each shot. You get to see then, of course, the strokes gained of each hole and then the strokes gained for the round and then the strokes gained for multiple rounds. And you develop this, this intuition pretty quickly what's good and what's bad about your game. And many people, it's just an eye opener. They thought they were awful putters and they're actually pretty good, or they thought they were terrible putters. (laughs) 
uh, or if they thought they were good putters and they're actually not, uh, repeat that for short game and, and whatever. It's yeah. if you play golf with the same foursome week in and week out, you, you often end up measuring yourself against people that are just like you and maybe making the same mistakes as you. Whereas this, you can measure yourself much more objectively and you can get either strokes gain information or a handicap in each area of your game, including, you know, you can have a handicap on short, medium and, and long putts. So it's, I think, great for benchmarking your game. Where are you now setting goals and seeing whether you're making, making progress? Yeah, no, I think that's that, that's been the most eye-opening thing for me. I, mean, I I basically entered in my what I could recall from from my two rounds. So my numbers may not be perfectly accurate and whatnot. So how how important is maybe some of the maybe like some of the distances and stuff like that with regards to the app and getting stroke proper stroke game numbers? So the the nice thing about this is it's the data entry is much easier than 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 most people imagine because. Yeah. When, when you're out on, on the course playing, well, you know how long the hole is. So you start off 420 yards. All you have to do is hit 420 and it knows you're on the tee. And if you're playing the same course again, it'll remember that from the last time. So you don't even have to enter that. Hmm. Your next shot, you know, okay, I, I hit a seven iron from 155. All you have to do is put in 155 and then you, it'll default to the fairway. You don't have to do anything else other than hit 155. If you're in the rough, you hit one more button that says rough. Right. So you never have to calculate anything. All you have to input is how far are you from the hole and what was your lie? You know, fairway, rough, green, sand, recovery shot. Um, and it doesn't matter if you put in 155 when you're really 153 or you're 158, because that just doesn't affect your strokes gained hardly at all. Same thing when you're on the green. Okay, am I 30 feet away or am I 35 feet away? It doesn't matter. 30, 35, you're going to get about the same stroke skiing. Where it does matter is you want to be careful about, is it a four-footer or a six-footer? And most people can pretty well imagine the difference between a four-footer and a six-footer. So where it's most important in these this short putt ranges is where it's easiest to, to estimate, you know, your putters typically about three feet long. So two putter heads are six feet long. Uh, the height of the flag on our course is eight feet. So if the, the, the flag stick is laying down on, on the ground, you can sort of see where it is. I also recommend pacing your putts just to know, you know, how, how long they are. That's another way to do it. I have a laser. Many people have lasers. So if I'm you know, way across the green, I'll just whip out my laser and say, oh, I'm 15 yards away and I'll enter into the app later. I'm 45 feet away. So it's, it's really pretty easy to do. And it's also easy to tell where you in the fairway, the rough or the sand, that's mm -hmm. easy to input. It's easy to, to remember. So the data entry is, is really pretty simple and, and straightforward. So that's how we tried to design the app to make it as easy as possible, as painless as quick and painless as possible to enter the gate data to get the most actionable best information out. Yeah. I think, I think you're, you're right on that. It is, it's very simple. Like I said, I, I entered it in uh, post uh, two rounds. And so I had to just kind of recall, I just went on my um, just went along the, the course and going, okay, this is where I ended up, blah, blah, blah. And just, just by memory, I'm able to enter in a lot of this information. And while I know it's not going to be hundred percent accurate, I, I got a pretty good idea of, you know, most of the, most of the information and where, Oh, now I need to 
really think about is driver the best option for me on all these trees options and uh and i need to work on my budding from uh about seven to 20 feet so and then you can see a couple rounds in the future did it work did you get a little bit better at that right right so i think that's always key we talk about that all the time uh it with with any kind of thing you want to improve you have to have a way of assessing it and and knowing that you're actually making progress towards what you're trying to to change whether that's in fitness whether that's in your, your mental side, whether that's in uh, our strokes gains, using that for uh, improving our golf game. And so that's why I think I like this so much. And uh, I guess we'll say we made, made me a believer. So last question good, for good. you is, uh, you know, what's next for strokes gain? Is there, you know, another, another iteration of trying to figure out a little bit more um, detail on, on some of these things, or is there uh, something else you're kind of looking forward to trying to figure out of, of way of tracking things better? Well, there's uh, a lot more that you can do with uh, with the data that's out there and with with better data. But one of the things that uh, I've I've done research-wise, it's not not in uh, production, is um, strokes gain taking into account green contours and other features besides lie and distance. So, for example, uh, instead of valuing every eight foot putt the same, an eight foot downhill, eight foot uphill, eight foot side hill putt can be valued differently based on their, their difficulty. So by the green contour, I basically mean uphill, downhill, side hill, the amount of the break. The other thing you can do is, you know, not all uh, 20 yard shots off the green are created equal. It could be that you have uh, one shot where you're short-sided and only have three yards to work with and another shot where you have uh, 10 yards of green to work with. In both cases, you could be 20 yards away in the rough, but you wouldn't want to say those shots are equal in, in difficulty. So you can uh, refine strokes gain and make it a little bit more accurate, but I'd say compared to traditional stats, strokes gain gets you 95% of the way there you can do a little bit better if you use the same strokes gain methodology, but the benchmark, which is the average strokes to hole out from a given position, if that was done a little bit more, more accurately, but that's, um, I said, th those are more sort of refinements more than, more than anything. I think my, my goal is just to get more people, you know, educated and understanding what, what this is so we can, sort of move away uh more from the traditional stats yeah all right well we just got a few uh wrap-up questions and we'll let you let you get on with uh everything you gotta get going and honor your time here i'll call this the mulligan round i just asked some you know quick questions and looking for a quick answer regarding to some of these uh questions i call it the mulligan round because you get to change you get to choose if you want to skip one all right okay all right. So what's the worst club in your bag? Right now it's the putter. It's not, not always or not usually, but the last few rounds, my putting has been awful. All right. Uh, what's your best round? Uh, 71. I've always been trying to, to break 70. And I mean, on a regulation, you know, <laughs> difficulty course. So uh, still trying to break 70. Awesome. Uh, and if you could have one superhero power, what would that be? Uh, curiosity. I think, uh, I always want to learn and you, you learn by being curious and asking questions. 
right. And what's your go-to karaoke song? I am an awful singer, um, but uh, I'd go with Once in a Lifetime by the Talking Heads. Okay. Uh, what's, a, what's one of the weirdest golf terms in your opinion? Uh, dormy. I don't know. Dormy doesn't, uh, doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. <laughs> Do you have a, a go-to exercise or drill uh, to improve your game? I'd, I'd recommend, uh, you know, taking, uh, partial swings with your feet together that, the uh, the feet together drill is, is one of my go-tos. Okay. What's the takeaway you want everybody to get from today? I hope you enjoy your every shot. So the name of this book is every shot counts, but what I really want is for people to enjoy their every shot. I want them to enjoy golf. And I think in more broadly, it's not necessarily every golf shot, but every, every shot that you take in, in life, I, I hope is, is an enjoyable one. Awesome. Mark, thank you so much for coming on today. Before we wrap up, is there uh, any way we can kind of follow what you're doing and, and, you know, you basically self-promote here, nah, shameless plugs here. <laughs> Shameless plug. Well, I, I write a, a monthly column for golf magazine and most of them eventually make it onto golf.com. But, uh, uh, on Twitter, I'm at Mark Brody, uh, B R O A D I E. And that's the easiest way to, to follow me or to, to get in touch. All right. We'll have all that information, um, for Mark in the show notes, but that's it for this episode of the golf under par podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening and thank you, Mark, for coming on and sharing your wisdom, man. Thanks for having me, Jeremy. It was a pleasure. Thank you guys for listening to this episode. Hopefully you've enjoyed this content on the go. If you found it helpful, please share with a friend and leave us a review on iTunes. This allows us to reach more golfers just like you that want to play under par. Do you want to be stronger and healthier? Well, I've got a resource, Golf Fitness Tips. It's a free Facebook group where we talk about how to take care of our bodies so that we can play more golf, we can play golf longer in life, and we can play better on the course. If that interests you, then check out the link below or search for Golf Fitness Tips on Facebook.